the, the word that the Lord's just been putting on my heart in these past weeks is the fact that we're on a journey. We're on a journey. A journey begins someplace and ends somewhere. And I want us to look, if we can, at some of the words that Paul spoke in Philippians chapter 3. And I want to make it clear that this journey, you know, every person that's born of this world is, starts a journey when they're born. It's just a journey of life. Everybody has to go through it. That's just the way it is. But for you and I as God's children, the moment we're born again, there's a different kind of journey that we're on. There's another kind of a journey. It's not just somehow making it to the end. Lord, if we can just endure, he who endures to the end shall be saved. That's not the kind of journey that we're on, just kind of hanging on. We're on a journey that moves forward. And this is the kind of words that Paul uses in Philippians 3, starting with verse 12. Philippians 3, starting with verse 12. Uh, and and to, to understand, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, the one that God has given revelation, given the, uh, many of the, the, the word that we call today the New Testament. Many of those books were written by Paul. And look at the words, look at the way he speaks, look at the, the, the kind of mentality that was birthed inside of him. He says this, and if you can read with me, I like it to read together, together if we can. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He says, I'm not there yet. You'd think if anybody was there, it would have been Paul. He says, I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing, I'm following, I'm going forward, I'm trying to get my hands on something because someone put their hands on me, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? And the, 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 kind of a, a title, an ongoing title. I'm not good with titles, but the idea that he's taken us out. And that's what this, this whole picture here is about. He took the Israelites out of Egypt, not just so they could be free from Egypt, but so he could take them into the land of Canaan. Deuteronomy 6.23 says, He brought us out that he might take us in. Let's go to the next verse in, in Philippians 3, if we can. Philippians 3, Paul says, I'm following after Philippians 3, verse 13. Do we see that there? Switched on you real quick. Philippians 3 and verse 13. This is the language that we see in the New Testament. I don't know about you, but I want that language to be mine too, right? That's what the Word of... And it's not a matter of just learning something. This is something that God does inside. You see? Uh, Philippians 3, did, did we able to get it there? I'll just read it from the Bible here. Philippians 3, verse 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived there yet, but this one thing I do. I want you to say that with me. This one thing I do. Ready? This one thing I do. Don't we have a problem with doing too many things? You see, with, with six children, I find myself doing a lot of things. And I wonder, Lord, is it even possible? But Paul was focused. And it's not that we don't have a lot of things to do, but he had one thing at the top of his list. One thing. You know, I used to use a Franklin planner system where you organize and categorize your life. And I still like that kind of a thing. But I found myself putting the same thing at the top all the time. I want more of Jesus. I want more of Jesus. And I realized that's, that's going to be my ongoing purpose in life. I want to lay hold of that. There's so much more. He says, I, I'm reaching forth. This one thing I do, I forget what's behind me. 
and I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. And oh, I like verse 14. Look at verse 14. Read this with me. He says, whoops, we lost it. Verse 14, there we go. Ready? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Just leave that verse up there for a moment and think for a minute. There's a prize. You know, we all know that the scripture, uh, the verses on faith in Hebrews 11, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many understand? How many believe that? I believe that it's supposed to have faith. I'm supposed to believe in God. But it says this, without faith, it's impossible to believe God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. And, listen to this, believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Some people say, well, I'm just be glad if I can get to heaven. Some, just give me some corner in heaven. You know, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. There's something better than a mansion there's a throne. He's, Jesus says there's a throne that's prepared. He wants us to rule and reign with him. Paul's talking about a reward. There's, there's a reward that God has. Of course, that reward is just more and more of Jesus. And if you love him, you want more of him. Amen. Well, this is the kind of words that Paul uses. And let's go to 3 John. This is the third letter that John wrote, third epistle of John. 3 John Oh, wow, they, they think I'm going to be dry today. <laughs> they, they don't want to dry. I'm going to put all these right here. I don't want to dry up on anybody this morning. Okay. Uh, we're in, in Third John. Oh, this is a beautiful verse, and, and it's an awesome scripture to claim to hold on to. You see, the, the Bible is not just for reading and for pastors to preach from. The Bible is a book of life. It's a book of life. And the more you get into it, the more you find. It's just life. Um, um, we have it, uh, 3 John, 3 John, and verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. There's only one chapter, so it's not too hard to find there. One of the, most, the last books in the Bible. 3 John and verse 2. Oops, we're in, we're in the Gospel of John. That's a good verse, too. We can read that if you want. If we can go to the Epistle of John. I have to put a 3 in front of it there on... We're learning some new systems here. But John says something here, and I, I want to focus on this uh, for a moment, because again, the, the word that the, the Lord has really put on my heart for us um, is that God wants to bring us as a people. I mean, we, we talk about the wilderness, and we do have to go through this wilderness. We do have wildernesses to go through, but we're not supposed to stay there. Can you say amen to that? He doesn't want us to stay here. The Israelites weren't supposed to be there for 40 years. That wasn't God's purpose. They missed, they weren't able to enter in because of their unbelief. So God doesn't want us to wander in the wilderness. He wants us to go on. The poor pastors with a church in the wilderness end up dying there with them like poor Moses did. What a sad thing. God wants to bring us in. Do you believe that? He wants to bring us in. And uh, for third John, well, we're still on first... For Gospel of John. Okay, let me read it from my Bible. This is the, the Epistle of John, and it's just chapter 1 and verse uh, 2. And if you have it there, you can read it with me. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul 
prospereth. Okay? Let me read that again. That you, we, we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. And if we can go to the PowerPoint, can we switch to that? I want to explain to you a little bit about this word prosper. And not to try to tell a bunch of Greek and all that kind of stuff. Are we able to switch to the PowerPoint? Or? I'm not sure if I should wait or we have technical difficulties. But we're learning some new tricks here. Amen. And the word prosper in the, the Greek is an interesting word. It's not like what we think about. We think of prosperity. We think of big bank accounts, you know, two-car garage and, and a white picket fence around the house and, you know, the American dream kind of a thing. And that's, we think that's, that's prosperous. But in the, in the actual Greek language, if we can put the next, just bring it down one, uh, in 3 John 2, the, in the Greek, the word prosper or prosperity, this is what it means. This is beautiful. I, I love the word of God. The word prosper literally means help on the way. Help for your journey. In fact, in another place in Romans, Paul actually says that, uh, he said, pray for me that I might have a prosperous journey. And that's the exact same word. It's just expanded a bit, but it's the same Greek word used here as uh, to have prosperity or, or to prosper, that you may prosper. God's idea of prosperity is a lot different than ours. It's, it's, it's help on the journey. You know, I like the name of the first church. It wasn't Dover Foursquare, by the way. That's a good name, too. But the name of the first church in the, in the book of Acts, real simple. It's called The Way. Not the place, but the way. What does a way mean? It means you've got to be moving. You've got to be moving. And that's what this prosperity is. It's, it's a matter of moving forward. Let's go to the next screen. I want to show you what's, what does this mean for us. In, in God's mind, prosperity is not a place where you eventually arrive. We often think of it like that. Well, if I can just meet that goal, if I can just arrive there, I will have made it. There was a man Jesus told about that made it. And he made it so well, he says, let me build bigger barns because I I have so much now. Let me just build bigger barns and and store it all because I have so much and I can sit back and take my ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And then the very night, the Lord said, thou fool, tonight your soul is required of you. Now what are you going to do? And Jesus said, that's the, the story of a man who's not rich, that's rich, but not rich toward God. In God's mind, prosperity is not a place that you finally arrive at. Next line. Prosperity is your progress in the journey God has called you on. Can you say amen to that? Does that change your mind just a little bit? It does mind when you think of it. You understand this is how God sees prosperity. It's a journey. It's something we're traveling on. It's not a stopping point. The church is not a stopping point. It's the way. It's a place to move on in. There's something more for us. Go to the next screen. In the mind of God, well, I think we went probably a little too far. Can you back up a bit? Where we go? Whoops. Okay, next one down. Okay, and there's no screen after that, or no? Maybe, it, maybe we lost it. All right. Is it coming? Ah, there we go. Okay. Prosperity is not measured by what you... I think this is in the mind of God now. You see, prosperity is not measured by what you have. It's measured by what you have given. 
You see, it's not a matter of holding on to stuff. You hold on to stuff down here, you don't get to take it with you, do you? You see? God sees prosperity different. It's a journey. It's a, it's a progress. And what I wanted to, to speak a little bit about is, is to, if you're on a journey... Uh, and I like to go on uh, road trips, you know, we, we've gone a few, on a few, on our, and most of the time we end up getting lost. That's, that's what usually happens to us, but we, we have fun anyway, you know. And, uh, but go to the next screen. And what I want to, the, the word that came to me this morning as kind of a way to describe what happened with the Israelites, because see, this is a road map. And it's not just a roadmap of the Old Testament people. It's not just a roadmap you learn in Sunday school. This is a roadmap that God has put as an example for us. To me, the most amazing things is that these things that happened to Israel, Paul says, he says, and also in Hebrews, it says those things were examples. What happened to them was a pattern to God showing us what he wants to do in our lives. This is not just a story to read about and say, hey, ain't that cool, you know, Moses and the Red Sea. And how many saw the Ten Commandments? Cecil B., what's his, the mill, yeah. Oh, the Ten Commandments. I love to watch that show. There's a few things that, not quite right, by the way. But we'll, we, you know, we'll, we'll, that's another story, another time. But you see that you saw the, the special effects they had way back then. But it was awesome to see. But it's not just a story. Those things in the Old Testament are not just something to, to read and, and say, oh, that was just really cool what God did. That is a pattern for us. You see it in the New Testament. I was even reading today in the book of Acts, or this past week in the book of Acts, how Paul went back and he reviewed that story. When he was preaching the gospel, he reviewed what happened to the Israelites. It's, you see it in that, you see Stephen doing that, you see Paul doing that in Acts 13. This is not just, not just a nice little story. You see, God brought them out of Egypt on purpose. He saved you on purpose. He has a purpose for our lives. And the word that came to me this morning is that one of the things that maybe not so much important today with our GPS systems and all of that, but there used to be something we used to watch along the road. One of the signs, one of the things we would look were mile markers, right? You ever see mile markers in the road? You have a picture. There's a mile marker. 77 miles. It's telling you on that road, you got 77. Now, what does that mean? Someone tell me real quick. What does that mean? 77 miles what? To go, Right? So what happens with, uh, as you go one more mile, what's the marker going to say then? It's going to go down, isn't it, you see? And so uh, it's nice if you know what city it's pointing to, right? That's the problem I always have with those signs. I thought, well, now what city is it talking about, you know? <laughs> which, which city am I heading towards? And if you don't know that city, even the mile markers really don't have much meaning for us. Let's go to the next screen. I found another little picture. Here's a mile marker some people like. Right here and now. I don't care about down the road. I want it now with icing on top, you see. And that's a way a lot of people just live. I just want it right now. I don't care about tomorrow. I want it now. Here and now. Well, that's not the mile marker we want, but there's another one here I saw too. But this one actually tells you what road you're on. That's good to know, isn't it? 1.8 miles, almost there. But this is what this story is for us. In the Old Testament, there are mile markers here. There are mile markers in your life. There are places and things God does 
or wants to do still that are very clear in God's word. It's not a matter of, well, you know, some people think that, some people think this. No, very, very clear in God's word. There are specific mile markers that God wants us to either, either bring us to or help us to understand we've passed that, we need to go on to this. There are things God does in our lives. There are specifics in God's word. And I want to show you five of those today, but I want to take you uh, to, to uh, Psalms 90 and verse 12. This psalm just, I was uh, in, in bed this morning, just kind of, my wife gets so upset with me. I, I use my phone for an alarm clock. It's a real handy little thing. You know, I sleep with this thing. It wakes me up. It talks to me. I put Bible studies in here and listen to messages. It's a nice little phone. I'm not, I, I, I don't sell these, by the way. But, but the problem is, is I, I, you, you can have, I think, about up to 10 alarms on here, you see. So it's even better than a snooze control, you see. It just keeps going off, and it keeps going. So I set it for every 10 minutes to keep going. I have about five of them set. And, and it's, it, it's just kind of somehow I, I can't just jump right out of bed. I kind of slowly, you know, move a little bit more, and finally I get out. But my wife is saying, would you just hurry up with it and get out so I can go back to sleep, you know. And, but some of the times that while I'm there, this morning I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden this psalm came into my mind, and that's the word mile marker came into my mind while I was between alarms. So the, the phone helped me a little bit today. But Psalm 90, does anybody know, if you have your Bibles open, who wrote Psalm 90? Who? Moses did. Bet you didn't know that, did you? How many knew that? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Psalm, Moses wrote this. You know what's interesting? Do you know how old Moses lived? He lived to be 120 years old. But it's in this psalm that Moses says God gives us 60 years or 70 by means of strength. Well, I don't know how, why exactly he said that or what he was counting. Maybe he was canceling out 40 years of it. But the fact is he lived to be 120 and his strength hadn't gotten weak. You don't have to stop at 70. Say that with me. I don't have to stop at 70. Say, well, I don't have to stop at 60. I, I don't have to stop at 80. I can keep going on. Do you believe that? We're on a journey. It's not time to sit down. Not time to stop. There's more. There's more. And this is something that, that as far as the, the word for mile marker that came to me today, Moses in his psalm, of course, understand what he's had to go through. For 40 years, he's had to put up with a bunch of people in the wilderness because they didn't believe. They didn't believe. He had to wander around in this wilderness for 40 years because he, the, the people didn't believe. You know, he had to put up with them. And he, he had some pretty strong words. He says, you've been rebellious since the day I met you. <laughs> That's the way he spoke to those poor people. He was frustrated and it was difficult. But anyway, he, he realized he had to keep in touch with God. And, and this psalm is beautiful. It takes some time to read it. Some, he says, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. He says, one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. That's all in Psalms 90. But read verse 12 with me. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. To number our days. In other words, begin to realize there is a journey God wants me to be on. I'm not just supposed to go from day to day existing. I'm not just supposed to wander, you know, and say, well, you know, this happens over here. I'll just go that way. And, oh, I can't go that way. I'm not supposed to want. There's purpose. There's a destiny in this journey. There's a place to arrive to. There's something God wants to do. 
And he's not done yet. You see, God likes his stakes well done. You know how I know that? When we're done with our race and we've really finished it right, you know what he'll say to us? Well done, good and faithful servant. How many want to be well done? Yeah, I mean, maybe like your stakes differently, but as far as God is concerned, I want to be well done when it's my time to go. I don't want to go rare. I want to be well cooked. And so he has a plan for us. He's working in our lives. And, so, uh, and you see this, uh, another word that came to me was from 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12. 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12, we read how uh, the Israelites are they're making some warfare. They're having some battles. The ark of God has been taken. They're going out to capture it again. And there's some battles that are going on. But in the midst of the battle, all of a sudden, Samuel stops. And he sets up a marker, so to speak. And he says this, Samuel took a stone and he set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer. Everybody say Ebenezer. And no, we're not talking about the Christmas carol either. This is not Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer saying, and what does Ebenezer mean? He named that stone Ebenezer. What does it mean? Read this with me. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. That was a mile marker. He put that stone down. He says, okay, God helped us up to this point. Let's not go back. Let's go forward. Can you say amen to that? Paul had the same kind of language in Acts chapter, <clears throat> in Acts chapter 20. In verse 24, talking about this journey, Paul, uh, we already saw his words in Philippians, but this is how he spoke to the church also. In Acts chapter 20, in verse 24, Paul says this. It's water time. Acts 20 and verse 24. There we go. I like this. Because we can get moved by a lot of things. There's a lot of things that can knock us off center, can knock us off. Paul says, I'm not going to let anything move me. Let's read this verse together. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my what? Course. Or my race. In Spanish, it's actually race. Carrera. It's my race. Course with joy. How are we going to finish our course? With joy. This is the way Paul spoke and also the ministry he's referring. And he's talking about his Christian life experience. I'm going to finish it. All right. Well, what I want to do is show you some of the mile markers from this map. We've discussed a few of them, but I want you to see them, understand how this so clearly applies to our lives. And we can kind of see if, we could, if somehow God can help us, and this is my prayer for my life too, somehow can God can show us, okay, here's where I am. I've come maybe this far, but I see now where I need to go. You see, all of a sudden our journey takes on purpose. Let me show you one more scripture uh, in Ecclesiastes, kind of a Ecclesiastes seems like kind of an out-of-place book sometimes. There's some unique verses in there. But Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 15. If we don't know where we're going, even the mile markers don't make any sense. Heaven's not going to be just a pretty little playground with lots of nice things floating around and clouds and halos. Heaven's going to be a government because there's a king there. And in a government, 
There are places and there are positions. Jesus spoke to his disciples. If you're faithful in, 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 in the little things here, I'll put you over much there. There's play, people called overcomers, people that, that, that are going to sit on the throne with Jesus. Some people think, well, we're all going to sit on the throne. Well, if, you're, if everyone's on the throne, who are you going to rule over? You've got to read the scriptures and not just, a, just general. When we generalize everything, we begin walking around in circles. We begin walking around in circles, not knowing where we're going. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 15 talks right about this. Let's read it together. The labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them because he knoweth not how to go to the city. Oh, did you ever read Revelation 21? There's a city there. How many have seen it there? It's a city. It's a unique city because it, it, what jo, uh, the angel told John, I'm going to show you the bride of the Lamb. And when John looked, he didn't see a bride. He saw a city. There's a city there. In fact, there's several. There's a lot of places in heaven. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions, but I go to prepare a place for you. Speaking to his disciples, there's a place, there's a goal, there's a reward, there's a purpose, there's something God wants to do in our lives. Amen? And, and this is what I want to show here, that there is more of what God has for us. And I'd like to show, if we back up to the, if we can go to the PowerPoint, let me give you five mile markers, and we can kind of find ourselves somewhere in this point. The very first mile marker actually consists of three experiences. The Israelites had three major experiences. And I'll just put these things kind of maybe a little small to read. I've been using this map for, uh, before I even got married, I had this little map. I just found it so useful in my life and it's easy to share some of God's purpose. Whoops. There are three main experiences that the Israelites had to go through. And let me explain. This first mile marker is just getting started. These three things are just getting started. Their journey didn't really actually officially begin as God's plan until they came to Mount Sinai, where God made covenant with them right there. But let's show all three. The first experience they had was the Passover. The second, they had to pass through the Red Sea. And the third, they had to come to Mount Sinai. And each one of these experiences, each one of these stopping points, each one of these events actually became a celebration where the coming to Mount Sinai, we see that as a part of a harvest celebration called Pentecost. Remember what happened on the day of Pentecost? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. All three of these things were just getting them started. The first experience, the Passover, that's the new birth. And I'm not, I already talked about this before, but I want to just hit on a few little points here. And again, this is maybe a little bit uh, misleading. If we're thinking that Canaan speaks about going to heaven someday, no, it doesn't. It speaks about another kind of battlefield God wants to bring us to. But these three experiences are bringing us to what God has as his kingdom. The, and the Passover, 
That's where they had to put blood upon their door. Remember they had to take, if you remember the story of, uh, of the Ten Commandments and all that, if you, that picture's in your mind or you remember it from the Word of God, they had to take the Passover lamb and they had, it had to be a perfect lamb. It couldn't have spot or blemish in it. How many know that we have a lamb like that? Jesus. Amazingly, it was Passover time that Jesus was crucified. He is our Passover lamb. This is not just a nice Old Testament story. These are mile marker experiences that we must have if we're going to continue in the journey. That night, if you did not have the blood upon your door, if you did not have the blood of the lamb upon the door of your house, you would have perished. There would have been death brought to that household. Death would be brought to that household. You and I are born into this world under the sentence of death. It's not like, well, you know, if we're really, really bad, if, you know, if we didn't quite reach the standard, we may, you know, we may not make it into heaven. Uh, but, you know, if I, if I can somehow through my lifetime just reach a certain standard that, you know, I see in churches or whatever, if I can just raise myself up and reach that standard, then maybe I can slip into heaven. That's not what it is. Can I hear Amen. You cannot even see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. You must be born again. There must be that new birth. What is the new birth? That's when we we come to Christ, we realize I'm a sinner. If I die tonight, it's eternity in hell because I, I, I cannot save myself. I cannot change. I cannot cover up my bad works with my good works. I cannot put something else in the balance. It's too much. The debt is too high. Only the blood of the Lamb, only what Jesus did could pay the price for me. If somehow we could get to heaven by just being good, we wouldn't need Jesus to die on a cross for us. But he did. Praise God for the Lamb. Praise God for Jesus. Praise God for the blood that washes away sins. If you've not been born again today, it's the time to start your journey It's the time to begin. But then they had to come to the Red Sea. Beautiful experience there. Paul says they were baptized in the Red Sea. And it speaks to us about that experience in our life. Water baptism produces a work in our lives. Even John the Baptist, the baptism that he uh, did when he came, it, it produced something in the people's lives that they were able to hear Jesus speak. That's a story in itself. But the most amazing thing that took place, and you understand in the story here and how we can apply it to ourselves, is that there was a burial in the Red Sea. There was a burial there. Who was buried? Pharaoh and his host. And there was also a coming out of that sea. When they came out, they came out singing, Victory! Victory over what? Victory over Pharaoh? No, that was done with. They weren't worried about that victory. They were looking over here. They were looking ahead. Not, oh, thank God for what he, he got me free from all. No, no. They were looking at victory that yet was to be won. They said, the Lord's a man of war. And they sang. They said, the, the, the Canaanites and all the people in that promised land of Canaan, they're all, their hearts are melting. How did they know that? They couldn't see over there to know that. God gave it to him by revelation. God revealed it to him in that victory song. In water baptism, there's a song of victory that needs to start. And later on, we won't take time to look at it, but when, the, when finally Joshua is ready to lead them in to the promised land, he sends two spies. He didn't want to send 12. He said, that, 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 that messed up last time. We're going to send two, just two. And I'm not going to tell, we're not even going to vote on who we're sending this time. I'm going to pick them. And he secretly sent them over there. He didn't want any problems. And those two spies went and they found Rahab. 
And listen to the testimony of Rahab. She said, and you have to understand, this is 40 years. When Joshua is going there, it's 40 years later. And Rahab said, since the day we heard that the Lord dried up the Red Sea, our hearts have been melting inside of us. They've been melting for 40 years. They could have gone in 40 years previous if they would have kept singing that song of victory. Water baptism is not just a simple little thing we go through. There is a need for it. It's part of the Great Commission, something God does in our life. A song needs to birth, a birth of victory. He's going to take us there, and we're going to be overcomers. Can you say amen? Well, they came to Mount Sinai. That's where God gave them the Ten Commandments written with his finger. That's where God gave them plans to build the tabernacle, a picture of the church in one sense. This is where God began to number them. In the book of Numbers, when they counted the people, they didn't count everybody. They only counted those who were able to go to war. How many want to be counted? I'm too old to go to war. I'm too young to go to war. No, 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 no. I want to be counted among those that can go to war. Can you say amen? I want him to count me. I want to be one of those that are able Caleb, he was in his 80s. He says, I'm strong today, just like I was when I came out of Egypt. I'm just as strong today. We can be that strong today. Not in our bodies, maybe, but in our spirit. There's strength that God puts there. This speaks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit that transforms something inside of us. Oh, it's not just an optional thing like air conditioning or roll up electric windows in your car. This isn't something we need. It's a mile marker just to get started. Let's go to the second point. See, without these three basic experiences, the journey hasn't even begun for you yet. Today is the day. If you've not been baptized in water, I think they're having classes or they're going to be having a baptism. Time to get into that experience. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, oh, it's today. The Father knows how to give good gifts and the Holy Ghost to them that ask. Let's go to the second mile marker. They had to step into Jordan. This is different. When they came over here, they came up here. They could have gone a different way, but just like they could have gone a different way over here, but God brought them over here and they had to cross the Jordan. And the Jordan overflooded its banks at that time. It wasn't just a little creek. Creek, or what's the right way to say that? Creek or creek? Creek. It wasn't something just small. It was, a, it was overflowing its banks. When they crossed the Red Sea, God parted it before they stepped in. But the Jordan was different. That's another stage. This is not waiting for God to open things for us. It's about us taking steps. It's about us stepping in. The waters did not part. And you have to understand, this is, you know, this is like, have you seen the Tuscarawas when it overflows, when it's overflowing its banks? We live right off of 416, and that, it, it looks pretty, pretty ferocious. You don't want to just put a foot there. You don't know where your other foot will end up. But this is a step of faith. This takes a new phase of faith, not wilderness faith. This is a faith to conquer. They had to step in before the waters parted. Third mile marker, here's something interesting. Over here, Pharaoh and his host were buried. But in the Jordan, what Joshua did, they took 12 stones out of the water, and he took 12 stones, representing the 12 tribes. He put, took two, 12 stones into the water before it closed back up. The priests were still standing there. He took 12 tribes and he put in the water. Over here, what has to die 
is you and I. Something inside needs to die. There needs to be a a consecration like John the Baptist. What did he say? I must decrease. He must increase. The word Jordan actually means descending. This is a, a new kind of a life. Another thing that happened, point four real quickly. Here's something interesting. In the wilderness, they had manna. But manna stops when they came into the promised land because there was another kind of a bread that they would be eating. Joshua and Caleb said, our enemies will be our breads. New kind of bread. And finally, point five. Mile marker five. We need to meet the captain. You see, over here, there was a cloud that led them. Cloud, pillar of fire by night. Cloud, pillar of cloud by day. Protected them, kept them. They had manna. All that changes over here. This is another direction. This is another place. This is another situation. It's another mark on our journey. And there, Joshua, all of a sudden, he's preparing to go up to Jericho. All of a sudden, let's just read here in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. We'll close with this thought. Joshua 5 and verse 13. And this is where, chapter 6 is where they go in and conquer Jericho and the battles begin. You thought you had some battles out here. You thought this was all about battles. These battles are another type altogether. Another type altogether. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him. Against is the key word there. Against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went right up to him. See, Joshua is a warrior. He likes to fight. He's looking for a fight here. And he said this, are you for us or are you against us? Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Just tell us who you are so we know what to do here. He's got his sword. He's ready to fight. Joshua's all ready to go here. Are you for us or against us? Look at the answer this man gives in the next verse, verse 14. And he, this is the man that's standing against Joshua. What does he say? What's his answer? Nay, or that's King James for no. (laughs) No, Joshua didn't ask him a yes or no question. He said, are you for us or against us? That's not a yes or no question. He answered, no, I'm not for you. I'm not against you. You need to realize who I am. And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the Lord's host, of the host of the Lord, am I now come. And what does Joshua do? He fell on his face. He had won quite a few battles in his life already in the travels in the wilderness, but now he realized there's a new captain in charge. There's a new captain in charge. He fell on his face and he worshiped and Joshua said to this captain, what, is my, what saith my Lord unto his servant? And here's the words that were given. Verse 15. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe, take your shoe off your foot, for the place where thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. This is a real mile marker. Now the new battles begin. These are all mile markers that we see here taking place 
I just pointed out a few. There's many others as well, I'm sure. These three are absolutely essential. These aren't optional. You can't even really begin the journey as God's chosen treasure people until you come here. This is where the church is made. This is where the tabernacle was built. This is where commandments and laws, and this is where the the Spirit of God writes upon your heart the things God has for you. Need at least those three experiences. And God doesn't want us in the wilderness forever. He wants to bring us there. This is not heaven. This is the work God does inside of us. Let's all stand. Father, I thank you today for getting a hold of our hearts with your word. Father, today we realize there's this, this journey that we're on. It's not just for, it's for fun. Not just for fun. It's, for, it's for real, Lord. There's a place you want to begin with each one of us. There's many here that have been on their journey for years and many mile markers behind them. Thank you for encouraging their hearts today, Lord, that they, the Lord has been their Ebenezer. He's been their help up to this point, Lord. But Lord, the journey is not over. There's more that you want to do, Lord, and we don't want to finish until you can say to us on that day, well done. Lord, we want to finish our course with joy. We want to make it to the end, Lord. We don't want to sit down on the side and wave others on, Lord. We want to be in the race you have for us. Lord, we want to be those that are pressing on with one thing before us, Lord. The mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, lift up our vision. Lift up our eyes. Lift up our hearts. Bring fresh encouragement to us, Lord, that you are going to take us on. Father, and I pray for any here that have not yet even begun their journey or perhaps don't even know uh, where the journey is to take them. I pray that somehow that through your word, God, this would have been clear to them and they could make fresh choice today, Lord. They can become part of this family of God that's moving on, Lord. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you all.